In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the And Sons podcast. This week, we got to interview Stephen Hanna, who is a two-time award-winning photographer from Northern Ireland. Now, when I say award-winning, I mean actually awarded by his peers, the Professional Photographers Association of Northern Ireland, which to me feels more legit than somebody just saying, hey, this guy takes nice pictures. Stephen has an awesome accent for those of us who are listening from the United States, and I love his story of getting into photography, what drew him into it, and what keeps him there. More than that, though, I think photography is an amazing metaphor for our lives these days, everything that falls into place for a shoot, and really the conversation to follow where we focus on light and how to capture it, how to see it, I feel like really transcends the conversation of the professional and impacts all of our lives. So I think you're really going to enjoy Stephen and the conversation that follows. Stephen, great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, guys. It is a real pleasure. How are you all keeping? I don't know that expression. How are we keeping? Uh, translate that into American What's that for in America? me. I think oh, it... That'll be like, how are you all doing? How does that, does that? Yeah, okay, I understand that. What, <laughs> we're great. <laughs> Doing good. It just got dumped on snow today. How are you keeping? <laughs> nice. I, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm great. Yeah, <laughs> we are actually hoping for snow. Uh, I have a, a shoot coming up, so this is the fingers crossed that we're going to get a dump of snow tonight or possibly tomorrow. So, yeah, not anything like what you guys are going to get. It'll probably just be like a little skiffle of about an inch over here, but... Snow is snow. This is actually perfect because I do want to like jump into a normal shoot for you as we kick things off. Like you're a little bit held into the weather. You're a little bit needing to shift things around. Walk us through a a typical shoot. um, What that looks like as you as you head out trying to capture something. Yeah. So I guess being based in Northern Ireland, our weather is so changeable like literally will change from R to R. So it's very, very hard when you're trying to plan ahead. Uh, most of the shits I will be planning, I will be planned around the weather. So there are certain locations that I will go to at certain times of the year, depending on where the light is. Um, but it all comes down to weather because that is, I guess, with landscape photography, that's a big changeable factor. So you're trying to predict, you're looking at long range forecasts and then you're, trying to look at short-range forecasts. And if you're going to the mountains, you're looking at the mountain forecast and you're trying to predict all of these things. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. That's, yeah, that's just the way it is, I guess. I'd love to start at the beginning. You are a landscape photographer. Where were you introduced to photography as a medium? How long have you got? This is a, this is a long question. Um, so... 
I guess it all started for me way back, maybe about 15 years ago. I always had an interest in photography, but it was just at that era where the first digital cameras were coming out. So they were coming out like two megapixel digital camera. This was revolutionizing the world. And just prior to that, I'd always looked at getting cameras. But whenever I started to look about, you know, the actual 35 millimeter film and the cost of that and then the cost of making all these mistakes and errors and trying to teach yourself this, I was just like, no, it's just not, it's not going to work out. And then digital arrived and I got this little point and shoot digital camera for Christmas. And it sounds cliche, but the rest is history. That's kind of where it all started from for me. It's really, really simple. Just started out as a hobby. Uh, but I guess it was always that I was always drawn to nature. So it was always the draw of the landscape, of the sea, of the mountains. It's, you know, I tried photographing loads of different things, but I always kept going back to landscapes. Um, I'm kind of looking back at it, now I know why, but at that stage I was just like, this is amazing and to actually try and capture this, that I can then share it with other people, this is kind of exciting. So that was where it started for me, it was really simple, it was just a, I guess a, a camera that was bought for me as a present and it kind of just took off from there. That uh, totally makes sense and also imagine when that camera is handed to you, it feels like the entire world has potential. Like, Where are you going to chase? Are you going to chase after people? Are you going to chase after a studio? Are you going to chase after the micro? And you're going after the macro of these landscapes of, of nature, of clouds, of beaches, of streams. And obviously, we're massive nature fans. Like, There's just something about it that speaks to me. So I, thus, some of... I'm like, oh, it's a no-brainer. Of course you want to get out there. And here in Colorado, we know just how volatile the weather is in the mountains. Five minutes, it feels like everything changes. You're just cycling through. So when you go looking yeah. for a space, do you have an idea in your mind of what you're trying to capture? A emotion, particularly, or a, a definition of a space? Or do you just go out for literally a walk and you're like, you know, I, I want to go see what I can explore and find here? I guess there, there's a bit of a mixture going on. Um, at the minute, I'm I'm into mountains. That's my thing. Um, I seem to be doing a lot more hiking. Uh, we have a range here called the Moorn Mountains, uh, which is about an hour and a half drive for me. And it's where you'll obviously know of C.S. Lewis. So this is where he, um, he used to walk there and he kind of got the idea of Narnia. And that kind of, that's what it was was based on because he used to, to spend so much time there. So I've started a project on it um, where I'm going to be shooting panorama images. Uh, so I'm thinking of like Land of Giants where it's this idea of the, the expanse of the mountain ranges. So for me at the minute, I'm focused to go to an area because I have a project in my head of what I want to shoot. That doesn't always happen. A lot of the time I will just be looking at the maps, looking at locations I want to go and shoot, and then I'll start to think, right, okay, what time of year do I need to go there? Because obviously, with the movement of light and the sun, certain places you go to at certain times of the year to get directional light or to get backlighting or whatever. So you have all these other things that you start to start to plan out. So those could be completely random, or you could get a forecast of 
a dump of snow. So it's like, okay, we're going to head to the mountains and just literally improvise. And I guess that's the exciting thing about, for me, about landscape photography is that it allows me to get into all these really cool locations that, you know, a lot of people don't actually go to. Uh, now, I know obviously over here it's small scale compared to probably the what you guys have in Colorado and the mountains and, and, the, and the wilderness there, but it's this just being out and being alone in nature, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and what we've noticed is um, it's actually getting a little bit harder to, to get solitude in that because I think in Northern Ireland, a lot of people have, because of lockdown and all these restrictions, they have began to get out more and they've began to get out into the mountains more, which is amazing. Uh, so you're kind of having to get up a little bit earlier or go stay out a little bit later to make sure that you're kind of having peace and quiet, which you wouldn't have needed to do before. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mixture for me. There's there's sometimes I have projects I'm working on. Sometimes it's literally just just go with it and see where I end up. That's, and that's the, the fun thing about it. I was having a conversation with a friend recently about why I like hunting and that it gives like a purpose for every moment in the woods. Like I, if I go for a walk and I'm just by myself, I can kind of be green blind, brown blind. Like I can literally just go for the walk and not actually see anything, not be paying attention to where I'm stepping or, or what I'm going to see over the next rise. But hunting does seem to like make every step matter, make every uh, shift of the wind matter. And I imagine it's pretty similar for photography when you're you're going for a walk it doesn't really matter if it, you get rained on or if the midges are attacking you because you can kind of let you can bail out you can do something else but if you're trying to capture something it, all of a sudden you're very aware i imagine of this cloud bank moving in the way that the sun just shifted and all of a sudden this valley is no longer lit correctly uh, yeah have there been shoots for you that you were really hoping for something and didn't come out or have there been particular ones that are really rewarding as you pursue a certain shot? Yeah, so there, there's been two, two experiences that I kind of I guess I'll share. One was a, a few weeks ago where we had headed up into the mountains and the forecast, we were trying to predict what it was going to do because we checked about five different weather apps and they all said something completely different as always seems to be the case. Right. But one of the things that one of the, the mountain forecast said was about the chance of low cloud in the valleys so we kind of thought okay that could mean an inversion where if we keep getting high enough we can get above the cloud so we we set off we had about a two-hour hike um and we literally hiked two hours in cloud with about maybe 10 foot visibility and uh we just kept stopping and thinking is this worth it like is this really gonna pan out and as we broke the cloud we just got up to the summit of we were on a mountain called Sleep Binion over in the Moorns here. And literally as we came up out of the, the clouds, we just saw this amazing, just the peaks, just the, the highest peaks just appearing. And this just, it was almost like cotton wool of cloud. And we were just above it. And it was like, wow, that's that's just out of this world. That That's something that, you know, you feel so blessed to be able to witness and to be able to, for me as a photographer to be able to capture and then to share it with with someone else. But those are the times where that could have went 50-50 because we could have just kept climbing, reached the summit, and there was still in the cloud. So um, 
that that was really memorable because I'd never had that before and that kind of extent and we kind of knew it might happen but you just can't be sure uh, and you cannot you can do all your checks and read your forecasts and look at different weather charts but you, you will not know until you actually get there and start start hiking so um yeah that was that was pretty cool that was a pretty cool experience and it's okay. one of those things where whenever you're whenever you're standing on a mountain and you're trying to work out what you want to put in your frame and what you want to include you begin to look at what the light is hitting and you start to notice it's, it, might, it might sound strange but you almost start to notice textures especially in mountains you, you notice crags you notice these little paths that you might not have seen before because maybe the light is coming in at just the right angle to, to, to pick those out and you just see the world in a completely different um a completely different eye and one of the frustrating things to think about being a photographer is whenever i'm driving or what I always it's almost as if I'm seeing through the lens of a camera so you're looking at just a normal scene and you're thinking right if I was composing that I'd put this here I'd put this over on the left or I'd have a third sky and that can get really frustrating because you kind of can't switch off from that that's just what seems to happen 24 7 so you kind of get completely immersed in thinking I've got a camera in front of me my eyes. I don't think about that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think what you were saying about the hunting thing. It's like you're more aware of what's around you whenever you're in that zone. And I've often thought about, I'll maybe just go hiking or I'll go whatever, and I'll not bring the camera. I'll just, I'll just go and enjoy it. And I'll. But now I think I realise that part of my enjoyment is actually having the camera with me mm -hmm. because I see things that I would probably miss. If I if I didn't have the camera with me, absolutely. I'd like to know where your eye came from. How sensitive were you to beauty before picking up the camera? Oh, I, I guess. And feel free to toot your own horn on this. Yeah. No, I, I I guess I could always appreciate. Um, do you know I, I loved walks on the beach. I love you know we have a beautiful coastline. Um, in Northern Ireland and I always loved it we would have spent summers up there and you know you have fond memories of, of things like that and sunsets and different things but um, I don't really think it was until I picked up a camera that I then started to notice what was on my doorstep and what we actually had um, because then you were trying to put everything in this rectangular box of what you were seeing through your viewfinder so you then began to look at things much closer and I think with landscape photography, one of the, the benefits is a lot of the time I go out shooting, I'll be shooting either early in the morning or late in the evening. So the light, um, either just after sunrise or before sunset, is golden. So the sun's so low in the sky. So if you have that kind of light hitting a subject, even if it's just the most mundane subject, it can look absolutely amazing. Whereas if you look at that at midday, in like really horrible harsh sunlight or in a really dull gray day you're just going to walk past it um so i think the whole eye for it didn't really come until i actually had the camera and then i kind of just i guess it was practice then you just became tuned into what you were what you were trying to shoot i wonder how much of a gambler 
you feel like. Because but back to the hunting thing again, there's a little bit of like the gambling addict of, well, they're not here, but maybe over the next hill. Like there's just that yeah. consummate optimist, which is probably the better way of saying yeah. it. And I wonder if it yeah. felt like it was always going to be easy. You're going to walk out and the light's going to be perfect. You're going to have that golden hour and the shadows and textures. It's like if you'd actually be as interested in what you do. Or if there's a little bit of the, yeah, we had to hike through this cloud bank and we weren't sure if we got to the other side, if it was going to be more cloud. And that actually makes it more enjoyable for you, more likely to want to go do it next time. Yeah, I always say that those negative experiences, whenever, whenever you get the shot or you get that amazing light, you, all those negative ones make it worthwhile. It's, it's so much sweeter. Uh, an example of that, I drove across to um, this amazing set of sea cliffs in Donegal. Uh, this was about three years ago. So we had about a three-hour drive and then about an hour hike. And I did, a, I did a vlog on it, I did a video on it, and it was probably one of the most boring videos I've done because the Clyde Bank was literally at sea level. So we couldn't see anything. And we stood about for hours hoping and in hindsight, there was no way it was ever going to clear, but we kind of just, because you never know, but it, it didn't happen and it was like completely soul destroying. But then about three years later, after a few more attempts, I went back and I had the most amazing light I think I've ever seen at that same location. And I think the time I went before where it was a complete and utter disaster, whenever I got the light, it made that, much, much more special because you kind of went through your journey of, well, I started off here. I've had all of these, you know, it's like the false summit thing where, you know, you keep hiking and it's like, it's just around the next corner. It's, no, it's not, you know, and whenever you actually get it, I think those negatives make that moment when you get the shot much, much better. Totally makes sense. Out. Just out of curiosity, how many? What's your ratio? <laughs> yeah. How many mm. failures would you guess that you have for every successful shot? Well, I would say one in ten, two in ten. I would say are successful uh, or are failures? Yeah. Yeah. Successful. Yeah. 10% of the time. There's a, 20% of the time. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't know if I do that good. <laughs> right? I, I think, I think like, if you go out 10 times, I reckon if you come back once or twice from those shits with something, uh, something that's, I think as you evolve in photography, you get a little bit more, um, you scrutinize your work more. So you're, you're always wanting to try and improve. So I think when you get to that stage where you're, you're being extra fussy, um, at the start, you would probably be just thinking, oh, those are amazing and you know, that's, that's fantastic. But then when you look back, you're thinking, eh, that, was, eh, that, was pretty, that was pretty poor. So I think now it's at the stage where like, I have to be really critical. Um, and yeah, I would say like, if I go out 10 times and I can back once or twice out of that, those 10 with something that I can keep, I'd be more than happy. Yeah. And even if I go out in a shoot, um, so if, if I'm out in a three or four hour shoot taking different images, you may only get one image from all of those different compositions and maybe trying different things with how the light's coming in or whatever. If you have one shot, 
from that, like I would be happy with that. That's kind of that was gonna be my next question. You come back, it's successful, and that's one, literally one file out of yeah hundreds that you that you might have taken. Possibly, yeah. There's there's sometimes I've gone out and I've never I haven't actually taken the camera out of the bag. Like I've maybe went, went on a hike or went out to the coast and I've just been sitting waiting and watching what's been happening. And it's just like, there's no point of me trying to photograph this because I know when I get a bike, I'm just going to delete it. <laughs> so I, I'm just not going to bother. There are other times where if you've got like that cloud inversion that we got a few weeks back, we were literally just running about every angle. We were just shooting so many images. I had so many different images from that, that ship because everything was just coming together perfectly. But those kind of, mo- those kind of, Shoots are probably few and far between where you would get quite a lot of images from the one shoot. It does feel so accurate of the creative process, right? Like immediately I'm thinking of times where I'm trying to write and it's famine, it's famine, it's famine. And then there's the moment, you call it flow, you call it things coming together and it's like hours go by and you're going to just milk that moment for all it's worth. And I, I wish it was 10% of the time. It, does it feel like 1% of the time? Like, I don't want to give it a number. Don't but look I, too closely. <laughs> I do wonder where going and waiting and not taking the camera out of the bag displays quite a bit of stamina and patience in an age with very little stamina and very little patience. How did you become comfortable driving to the coast and waiting for hours, needing to pay attention, even if nothing happens? I think at the start, I wouldn't have been like that. There's no doubt I would have been arriving at a location and literally camera out the bag, tripod up, and I just started to shoot. I didn't even really think about what I was photographing. And I don't know whether that was more coming from a an eager excitement just to be out and to to kind of get doing what I'm doing and you know you weren't really thinking about the process um and I think that's just something that evolves and I would I'd know chatting to other photographers they probably would say the same that maybe if you're starting out in photography that's one of the things where um people would be too rushed um, I, I've noticed this in some of the workshops that I've I've led that whenever we would go to a location, people were literally just taking cameras out of their bags, starting to shit, not even really thinking about what was in the frame. Is the light good enough to photograph at the minute? Should we wait and see what happens, or should we maybe move over there, look at what's over that, and then maybe come back? You know. So I think for me, that kind of just comes with practice. Um, and I think as well, it got to a point for me with landscape photography that, yes, it's about the photography, but I think more so it was actually just about me being in nature, where it kind of got to the stage where the photography is almost second, um, because you, you just get immersed in, so I just need, I just need time here. Um, I just need to to chill. Uh, and it's kind of funny because whenever I, I took a break from landscape photography, uh, I, at, the, at the time I was trying to set up a business and I was starting to photograph weddings, which I still do. And 
they were obviously high pressure, high stress, fast paced. Everything's just boom, boom, boom on the day. And I actually had a fear that if I kept photographing landscapes, I wouldn't want to do the weddings because it was like, it was so peaceful. It was just, this is just chill out time. Whereas the other was like crazy, just boom, boom, boom. So actually, I think it was Morgan had, I can't remember if it was a boot camp or a, a podcast and he talked about creating margin in your life and like kind of creating this space. And I just, at that time, I felt God saying, do you know what? You need to create a bit of margin and just take your camera, go to the coast and just, I can remember I went to a place called Kimbian Castle. So it's this beautiful ruins of a castle on our north coast. And it was completely grey, horrible, overcast day. And I just went down and sat for a few hours and I took a few photos, but it wasn't really about the photos. It was just about me sitting, listening to the waves, smelling the sea air, and just kind of going, wow, this is just, there's silence here. This is just beautiful. So, yeah, I think, yeah, so the patient, the patience thing was, it was definitely coming from that. Um, it wasn't the photography first. It was, I need the space. Um, I need the margin in my life just to be in nature and enjoy that. And then out of that, the photography kind of evolved, if you like, as opposed to it being the other way, the other way around. I love that. I oh, do yeah. wonder, it's a similar question, but at this point in your life with photography, how do you manage disappointment from you know, a string of frustrating shoots or the day when it did not go well? Oh, um, yeah, that, that's tough. Um, with landscapes, definitely there's a, there's a patience required and there's a, you just got to keep going back and you got to keep going back. And I think there's, you know, I can't lie and say, yeah, whenever I come back from a shoot and it hasn't happened, that's fine. I just kind of brush it off and, you know, everything's fine you come back and you do feel you feel gutted but I always I try and realign myself and thinking well okay I didn't come away with any any shots but you know I spent time alone potentially um I was out in the mountains or I was at, at the coast um that's a privilege just to be able to do that and, and it's, again, it's that it's just trying to, to focus the real reason why I was there and try, it's not always easy, but try and remind yourself that it's like, it's that, I guess it's the issue of my heart almost, that's the priority. Um, if I get something that I can, I can photograph or I can sell as part of the business, brilliant, that's amazing. But I think for me, it, it's a heart issue. Um, and I try and kind of keep that as a priority. doesn't always work out that way, but that's what I kind of try and keep as the kind of the, the main focus of things. Yeah, I'm so struck by the amount of time in a successful shoot and, and whatever you're going to label as successful. I think to me it's sounding like success in this arena is more and more how the time went for you rather than coming away with something to sell. Um, but the silence, like whether it's going well or going, it's going to just be a wash of a day because of the the weather or any number of other factors. 
I know how it is to sit in the woods for five minutes with a total silence and, and five hours. I mean, they might as well be the same for all of the racket and all of the, the pressure of, okay, you're here, this is the time, you're away from family, this is what you're doing, this is your job, this is time to get it going, time to make it happen. And uh, I wonder if you have learned things that help calm you in those moments. Because for me, uh, like Katy Perry will start playing in my head. I'll start having conversations with people if it's not going well. I'll start wishing that I could control the weather somehow and be like, okay, well, if I can just, if I stare at that cloud long enough, it will literally <laughs> burn away and then I will be able to da 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 yeah. uh, And I can waste a lot of time at my desk, let alone out in nature with that busyness. So I'm wondering if you found, for my own sake here, not for the listeners, have you found something that causes you to go like, okay, whoa, we're going to slow down and be okay with the fact that silence and uh, it almost feels like a lack of productivity, but it, I know that it isn't because the goal, you're accomplishing the goal by being there, but it can feel like a lack of productivity. Like what, what have you learned to push off those voices to, to be okay with the, the hours of quiet? I was going to say coffee, but that's, <laughs> that's perfect. That's totally fine. <laughs> coffee and a good pipe um, and you're fine. <laughs> Do you know, it's been really funny because this year, if you'd asked me that last year, it probably would have been a different answer. But I guess this year with everything that's happened over in Northern Ireland, we were locked down for quite a while at the start and you know we weren't really allowed to travel. Uh, now, I'm fortunate that we live in the country, but you still, you were, you were kind of just in this small area and you weren't allowed to go. And I think it's just been, for me, it's been being appreciative of what you have. Um, and I think that's been a bit of a wake-up call for me that, do you know what, it's okay to go and not get any images if that's the case because for, for such a long time, that freedom to do that was taken away. Um, and that's something that we, like, I never thought would ever happen. Like, who, who, how are you ever going to be told you can't leave your house and you can't go to the mountains or you can't go to the coast? So it was one of those things that I took for granted. Whereas now it's been, I can't wait to get there. And that was a massive mm. flip for me. But mm. you, you totally, you appreciate what you have on your doorstep now and you appreciate those moments that you can get into the mountains. And I think for me, it is more about, um, not a release, but it's more about just getting into nature. It ticks a box for me that I could just I could just sit in it for for hours. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question because I don't think there's really, you know, a three step plan to say right this is how you can deal with <laughs> deep breathing, you know, disappointment or frustration. But mm. that has definitely helped me. Um, I've definitely my focus has flipped. Pardon the pun, but it has kind of gone from. Yeah, I had all this freedom, then it was taken away from me. And when I had it, I didn't really appreciate it. But now it's come back. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make gonna make the most of this. I wow. like that the segue into just the metaphorical language. If if you'll allow me with the the the, the focus is flipped. I, as I've sat with creativity and particularly photography, I've just, how how is it not a conversation that's actually a metaphor? How is it not so appropriate for any moment in time, but also particularly this moment? 
with uh, just concepts like where is what's in your frame? What are you doing with the light that you have? Um, where are you focused? How is your focus? Are you in focus, out of focus? Um, these are these are phrases that we're using these days for mental health, for spiritual health, for general well-being, and yet they're also the language of your profession of like your your daily. Yeah. What do you what do you, what do you make of that? Because I, I've been wrestling with it. I, I've been thinking about it. To, to be honest, the the, the light uh, you kind of said there about the light and darkness, and and for me. In landscape photography, light is everything. That is the between a good landscape photograph and a bad landscape photograph. It's more than likely going to come down to light. And to me, that's quite exciting because when you think about that, if you have a completely dark scene, all it takes is just a tiny, tiny, tiny little shaft of light, and that image just everything just gets completely transformed. Um, and, and I keep reminding myself of that because in, in your walk in your daily walk, it's so true of that. It's like, I am constantly searching for light in the landscape, but I'm also searching for light in here. And you're searching for a release from, you know, the, whatever's come over you or whatever you're dealing with at the time. So I really like that analogy with the light because I, I to me, I can totally connect with that because there's nothing more amazing whenever you're standing at a scene and you've maybe been waiting for quite a while it's that it's that light and it doesn't have to be you know they talk about the like even a candle like these that tiny little flame like how much light that gives off and um yeah it, it's just it totally transforms things and it's not that, that's true with our walk um that that's it's it's kind of light and dark isn't it yeah absolutely that's so good i'm curious this is a bit of a tangent, but as you've shared some of the stories of going out to get photos, you've said, we? Who goes exactly? Sometimes it's myself. A lot of the times it's myself. Um, sometimes I'll go out with a few other photographers. Uh, one one chap in particular, he would go out quite a lot with me. And uh, I would kind of regard him and, and as a... He's a, an older chap and he's almost like, um, it's, it's not always about the photography. It, it's sometimes quite often just about the friendship and just the conversations and the, we say mentoring, but that just that day-to-day conversation relationship. Um, so yeah, he, we, that, that would happen quite a bit. Um, or sometimes I just randomly go myself and, you know, you just get a, a feeling right, okay, I need to go. I, there's something, I feel there's going to be something good that's going to happen. I'll just jump on the car and go. So, Wow. Reaching into the grab bag. Your photography now is really amazing. I know that we'll link out to it out of the episode description so that, but we're talking stunning and very different than the photos that I take. And <laughs> I'm, we're getting, getting close though you know my iPhone <laughs> yeah. is really catching up and when you think about your development as an artist as a photographer what were some of the breakthrough moments in your artistic life you mean from a technical aspect of what I learned that or or yeah I would say yes and 
uh, just if you were to think of you know your journey so far as a photographer, uh, anything that marked sort of a moment of change, I'm curious what would what some of the major ones would be. Okay, well, so from a I guess from a technical aspect, um, once I began to realize how important light was and how important good light was, uh, and there's a massive difference because. As I said, like a lot of the stuff I would shoot is around the golden hour. So that's that first hour in the morning or the last hour in the evening. So that quality of light is, is amazing. So once I that clicked with me, then I knew right, I need to plan things around when the light could potentially be at its best. So I guess that's one thing from a technical point. The other thing was uh, a couple of years ago, uh, so I won... And over here, the, there's a PPNI award, so it's like the professional body of photographers. So I won their landscape photographer of the year twice in a row. And the second time, they it was all judged on the finished print. So uh, you, know, you guys all know it's social media. Everything nowadays is digital, so nothing ever seems to come into a physical form anymore. Everything's downloadable or whatever. So... I kind of have this passion about printing images um, because for me, the printing process is just as important as actually taking it or editing it. So one of the, the really cool things with the last thing that I'd won was that it was judged on the actual finished print. Mm. Um, so there was kind of no hiding behind that because, you know, if you have a small image on a screen, you know, there's lots of little blemishes that can go on, you know, can be missed or can't be, can't be noticed. But if you have a, a large print sitting in front of you, um, to be judged then by your peers and kind of to be recognized for that, that was quite rewarding. And I guess it gave, gives, gave me a bit of confidence to say, right, okay, I can keep pushing on with this here. Because I think a lot of the time those trips where you come back with nothing, and you're trying to like, okay, well, we're going to go again and get this. Um, that just gave you a little bit of a push to say, right, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on the right lines here. Um, I've, my work's being recognised, and it, I guess it's a bit of validation, you know. Um, so I, I get, yeah, I think, I think that was probably a, a big turning point for me. Um, probably that was about a couple of years ago. We've talked before just about the, the level of equipment and technology change over the last five years, over the last 10 years, and there's the the consumer level, there's the prosumer level. We were able to go out and buy a drone and, and take photos with it. And I mean, we don't, we've flown that thing for all of 20 seconds. And all of a sudden you're getting these images that would have taken a helicopter and a crew 20, 30 years ago. Um, yeah. But there's some there's something to what you're saying of, I am have an untrained eye, and yet I can identify the difference between my college buddy taking what feels like an artsy photo with a filter on their camera and a genuinely skillful image that has a good composition, a good makeup, though I won't have the language for it necessarily. There's something in me that goes, oh, this one's different, even on those little screens. I imagine that's only magnified a thousandfold when you actually are able to see it in person and have that magnifying glass type experience. But for you, has that been frustrating seeing that like 
there's a little bit of the swagger these days of like, well, that camera that you got 15 years ago has come so far and costs so little at the basic level these days that average Joe thinks he's pretty good and goes out and takes a picture of a flower. You're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It was good, you know? But I'm wondering for you, like, is that frustrating? And also, what defines for you a truly skillful photo as opposed to somebody out there with a decent filter on their Instagram? Wow, that's a loaded question. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're, yeah. setting, you're setting me up here for a, a fall. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like one of the things that we do over here is like we I would run some workshops and things. So it's like taking a small group of photographers out and just kind of spend the day with them and talking through stuff and showing them how I would set the shots up and kind of helping them with settings and different things. Uh, so I guess in a way... I think it's great that there's so many people now are getting into photography and you can literally go out and spend very little on a camera and you can get amazing results. And that is a little bit frustrating sometimes because you know, you've know you invested over the years thousands of pounds worth in all this higher end gear. Um, but I guess it, that kind of thing is more about the finished product. So if you want to print massive and you know you want to do all this really high definition stuff, then you'll obviously see the benefits of the more expensive gear. But for most people, the, the other stuff is more than enough. Um, but yeah, it's I think over here that the frustrating thing has been because it's such a small country that if you find a new location and you post on social media, you can be guaranteed within a week you'll see the same exact same shot by a whole pile of other people. Um, and that can be a little bit frustrating because you've maybe spent time like wrecking and going back a few times and, and you've maybe been there four or five times in bad light and it's taken you a long time to get that shot. And then you think, have they actually just gone and looked for where my tripod spikes had gone into the ground and it's almost <laughs> like taken... Um, so I think that's quite frustrating at times. But have you been tempted just... to like say it's somewhere else where you're like, oh, this is this amazing <laughs> spot. It's uh yeah, it's very far away. Uh yeah, there's a there's a a very big American um landscape photographer called Nick Page. And he is renowned for tagging his planet Earth or somewhere like that. It's just somewhere completely, you know, random. Um so yeah, that's that it is quite funny, but yeah, sometimes I just leave it blank if if I haven't if I've ever made, I don't know, want people to know exactly where it is, but they'll always find it. That's the thing. That's technology <laughs> nowadays. There's nowhere. Uh, there's no hidden places, especially not in Northern Ireland. That's for sure. No hidden places. What a horrifying idea. I know yeah. that many of our listeners would like us to take at least a deep dive into the nitty gritty. Uh, just details, and you talked about the complexities of printing. Would you tell us how you print? Are we talking submitting files to prints.com or like what exactly do you do to print an image? So um, there's a few things um, I have got into. Well, I use a, a couple of labs, professional labs, who they manage the colors, they they they, they sharpen everything. So they they really study your image so you know that whenever you send it off to them what you see on your screen is going to come back exactly 
it, you know, it's going to be a perfect match. You know, I've heard of people when they use like maybe cheap labs online and stuff, and they come back and their images look really, really dark and the colors are all over the place. And they don't look anything like what they maybe look like on their phone. So I kind of leave that up to the lab because they're the experts at that. So what I love to do is I love to print on what they call fine art papers. So these aren't normal, just your normal like glossy luster photo paper. These are papers that um, will react with the ink in a certain way. So some of them will have different textures. Um, so you can almost print the same image on two different papers and it, they will look slightly different. So for me, that's been quite, I guess that's been a bit of a geeky, fun thing to do where you're trying to work out, okay, if I have a really high contrast, colourful scene, it'll look better on maybe a glossier, a different kind of paper. Or if it's a more muted, misty, foggy woodland scene, it might look better on a, a more flat, matted paper. So that's been a bit of fun trying to just figure that out. Um, we've also started to print on aluminium. So we're doing like high definition printing. So the, the image actually gets, um, it's like sunk in with heat. So it's not printed on it, it's actually printed into the metal. And then there's like a really high gloss finish put on top of it. So again, we, I don't do that, I use a lab for it, but it's pretty amazing what these guys can do now. Um, and yeah, the, the, to me, that's more, that's really exciting. That's like you're almost you're finishing. You've gone through this journey of researching a location. You've maybe gone to it two or three times. You've come back, you've edited your images, you've shared them. And now the final piece to the jigsaw, I guess, is the finished printed product that hopefully I will hang on my wall or someone else will hang on there. So um, to me, the printing side of it is that final um, piece in the puzzle. It's actually part of the craft, right? It's not just an afterthought. Yeah, and, and sometimes I will I will go and whenever I'm shooting, I'll have that finished print in mind. Um, so I'm almost can be imagining, okay, I'm going to, when I come back, I'm going to crop it a certain way or it's going to look good in an aluminium or this is going to be a much more, I'm thinking of my editing, so it could be like, this is going to be a much more muted, not black and white, but much like softer tones. That's kind of the route I'm going to go. So you're almost thinking of those things, even when you're out taking the actual shot. Um, so to see that whole way through to the finished product is quite, yeah, it's quite exciting. Uh, by way of geeky sharing here, uh, we obviously got to do the same kind of conversation about the print magazine, right? Of like, well, what kind of paper are we going to use? What mm -hmm. kind of printing are we going to do? And fun. so we've landed with an opaque because we like that muted uh, sort of yeah. color feel. It does. It's interesting to watch a, a slew of images all kind of drift in this, a similar direction just by choosing a set paper. And they might be yeah. brighter, darker, but because of that choice, you're almost having this gravity well that sort of pulls them slightly in a particular direction. It's yeah. really interesting. Our paper has a special name too. Yeah, um, that we won't share here. Not because we forgot. Uh, <laughs> right. No, we definitely know what. It I is. also know that people wonder. In brief, what do you look for in a lens? What do you look for in a camera? Okay. Um, so recently, I 
decided to change. So I changed some of my gear um, and I kind of went down the route of medium format. So what that is, it's just a bigger sensor. So there's there's a thing called dynamic range. That means is how much of the brightness and the shadows that your camera is capable of capturing in one scene. So with the likes of the medium format, you've got much more of a dynamic range to work with. So those things that I was looking at, it was because in my head, I wanted to be able to print big. That was kind of my end goal is that I wanted high resolution. Um, I wanted good colors and I wanted really, really sharp images because I knew that if this is going to go on someone's wall and it's going to be printed, hopefully very, very big, if you have any kind of flaw in it, it will be noticed when it gets to that kind of size. It's okay on a screen, but once you start to print. Um, so I guess for, you know, a lot of, those are things that I look for, but obviously what someone else would look for if they're starting out is going to be completely different. You know, there's a massive budget there of, you know, you can buy something for, you know, $500 or you can buy something for $7,000 and it's going to be very hard to compare the two. Um, so, yeah, for me with landscapes, I'm always shooting really wide because I'm trying to get the big vista in. So most of the time I'll have a really wide lens on the front of the camera because I want to fill the frame with as much as I can. But again, that comes down to personal style, um, which I probably have has evolved over over the years. Um, and then when I kind of did the rebrand of the business to Nebo Fine Art, that kind of tied in with the wide vista idea. So high dynamic range, Blaine. You taking taking notes here? That's what I do with my emotions. Oh, well, nice. Capture uh, the lights and the darks. <laughs> so it's quite crazy when you point when you point an iPhone at something and you have like the HDR mode on. It just it captures everything in one little shot. And sometimes you, if I'm on a scene and I'm looking with my phone or I'm taking a video and you're thinking, "Crikey, I could just take it with this phone," and it seems to have. I don't need any filters. I don't need any real technical stuff. You just take my iPhone and fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> That's the temptation. Part of the frustration, probably too. We're <laughs> we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, one of the pieces here I wanted to ask you, Stephen, is for those of us who are non-professional photographers, what are some habits and key practices that you've adopted over the years as a professional photographer that we might benefit from thinking about or adopting, even if we never take pictures. Even if we never take pictures. Okay, so if you are interested in landscape photography if that's kind of your thing or you're in nature um i would say shoot early morning or shoot late in the evening that is when you're going to be getting the best quality of light so your images will you know improve leaps and bounds by just doing something like that i'd also say planning uh sounds really really boring but um there are loads of little apps that you can get where it will tell you the exact position of the sun at a certain time of day on a certain day of the year. And you can literally move through the year and you can watch where the sun goes and how it moves. Um, so things like that are invaluable to trying to plan a shoot, especially if you're in the mountains where you're trying to work out, okay, or is the sun going to come over that peak? Is it going to creep through that valley or whatever? What time of the day do I need to be to get the sun in that location? So things like that. Um, I think are extremely useful. So there's loads of little apps that you can get for your iPhone 
that will like tell you all those little things. So a little bit of planning and then just knowing to go out either first thing in the morning or last thing at night will make a massive difference. Did you know at the beginning of your career that you were going to need to become an astronomer as well? Or did that kind of <laughs> key in later on? You know, I actually think it's more it's more about all that planning side of things. And that's something I'm still trying to work out, like trying to learn about clouds and how they move and all that geeky kind of stuff. But it, it is probably 90% preparation and planning. And then all you have to do is just get there and hope that all the things that the different weather apps and all this kind of stuff was actually accurate because sometimes I think they guess. I think they just, you know, over uh, in Northern Ireland, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty much a, we'll say there's going to be rain because there's probably going to be rain most days and probably guess. add in a bit of cloud. And it's like, yeah, that'll be 50-50, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about your photography, Nebo Fine Art? Um, where should folks go to to go check out some of this stuff? And you guys, please go check it out. Do yourself a favor. Okay, so yeah, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, as just as Nebo Fine Art. Um, the website is nebofineart.co.uk. If you are maybe interested in photography or landscape photography in particular um, I do do some vlogs on YouTube so again if you just search Stephen Hannay you'll find me on that and those will be more uh, taking you along on a journey so it's like filming a lot of behind the scenes stuff of me actually out taking the images and then I let you see the images at, at the end of the video so if you're a photographer and interested in that definitely probably YouTube would be the, the way to go and Nebo N-E-B-O Yes. Nebo Fine yeah. Art. I just in case Nebo, you, yeah, yeah. right, I don't shoot know. from the hip there. Nebo Fine Art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dear Bo. Nebo. Um, N-E-B-O. It was awesome. Steven, thank you so much. It's been really fun to talk for a bit today. Thanks for having me, guys. Mm-hmm.